In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text for this, the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the Gospel lesson of Matthew chapter 13. We hear verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. So far, our text. Ah, the, the parable of the sower. A classic parable that you've probably heard at least a couple dozen times in your lifetime. In fact, it's, it's so common that you may already be trying to guess where this sermon is going and what I'm going to say. But today, I want to switch it up a little bit. Instead of the usual path of walking through this parable and its meaning, I want to start with some common misconceptions about this parable. So the first misconception is that we are the sower, and this parable is teaching us to go scatter the seed, the word of God everywhere. The reason this is a misconception is because in the context of this lesson, we are not the sower. For those of you who were in my scandalous story Bible study this spring before all this COVID stuff happened, you will hopefully remember one of the rules about parables that we talked about, which is that you don't get to be the good guy. See, there's a common truth to pretty much all the parables, and that's Jesus is always the good guy. So in this parable, you and I are not the sower. Jesus is. He's the one scattering God's word everywhere. Now, it is true that you and I as disciples of Jesus are to be just like him, which means we should be sharing the word of God with all people and in all places. It's not our job to try to find the good soil and only sow the seed there. Not at all. Just like Jesus was overly gracious and shares the good news of the gospel everywhere, even where he knows it won't grow, you and I should follow our master's example and do the same. So Jesus is the sower and he is extremely generous in sharing the good news of his kingdom the reason this is important to clarify is because if jesus is the sower then you and i have to be one of the four places receiving the seed from him and this shifts the focus from us doing the action to us receiving the seed which is being sown this leads us right into our second misconception, which is that there are four groups in play here. And I get it. I mean, I just said, if we aren't the sower, then we have to be one of the four places receiving the seed. You probably are thinking, come on, pastor, listen to yourself. Path, rocks, weeds, soil, one, two, three, four. But as you begin to look at them closer, you realize there are really only two categories. Because the rocks, the weeds, the thorns, all of these have one major thing in common. They fail to produce any fruit. None of these three, the path, the rocks, the weeds, none of them yield anything compared to the good soil that does produce fruit. So instead of four different categories, really there's only two. Those that yield fruit and those that do not. This is important because too often I think we spend too much time worrying about which of the four we might most closely resemble. Am I the path that has had the word snatched away from me? Am I the rocks that sprung up too quickly but withered? Am I the weeds that let the cares and worries of this world choke me out? Instead, we should simply be focused on am I soil or not? 
And the key word in all of this that drives home the clear distinction in this division is found in our theme verse for today. Listen again. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. Did you hear it? It's not the one who hears the word, because Jesus says, whoever has ears, let him hear. Jesus wants everyone to hear the word. That's why he's scattering the seed all over the place. All four have heard the word. What separates them into two groups is whether or not they understand the word they are hearing. You have heard the word of God, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but have you understood it? That is the key. Now, to understand it does not mean that you fully understand everything about God's Word, because that's humanly impossible. No matter who you are, none of us will fully understand everything in the Scriptures. There are even major points of our theology that are physically impossible for us limited humans to truly understand, such things as the Trinity, the two natures of Christ, even eternity. We can't understand these things in the sense that we fully grasp exactly how they work. However, we do understand them in the sense that we believe them. We acknowledge them to be true. We understand it in the sense that we that bring we I'm going to go back to that beginning of that paragraph. Now, to understand it does not mean that you fully understand everything about God's Word. Because that's not humanly possible. No matter who you are, none of us will fully understand everything in Scripture. In fact, there are even major parts of our theology that are physically impossible for us limited humans to understand. Such things as the Trinity, the two natures of Christ, even eternity. We cannot understand these things in the sense that we fully grasp exactly how they work. However, we do understand them in the sense that we believe them. We acknowledge them to be true. We understand them in the sense that they bring us comfort and hope. To understand simply means we have faith. And this is the key separation. Faith or no faith. Believer versus non-believer. The path, the rocks, the weeds, they're all non-believers. They lack understanding. They lack faith, which is why they do not produce fruit. And again, this is important because instead of worrying about which of the four we might most closely resemble, all we have to do is ask ourselves, do we understand or not? Do we believe the gospel? Do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for us and rose for us? He is our Savior who, who forgives us and saves us and gives us eternal life. Do we believe in him as our Lord and Savior or not? If you say yes, then you're soiled. If you say no, then it really doesn't matter if you're the path, rocks, or weeds, because they're all the same, faithless. It's kind of like looking at instant replay during a football game. When trying to determine if the player scored a touchdown or not, the main thing they look at is, did the ball break the plane? Did any part of it cross any part of the line of the end zone or not? Because if any part of the ball broke the plane, even just barely crossed the line before the runner was down or out of bounds, then it is a touchdown. But if the ball came up short, even just a hair short, and did not cross the line, then it is not a touchdown. 
It doesn't matter if the ball was a centimeter short, a yard short, or 20 yards short. If it didn't cross the line, it's not a touchdown. But it also doesn't matter if it broke the plane by a centimeter, a yard, or 10 yards. If it did, it is a score. Well, the same is true for us. Someday when we are judged, our entrance into the new heaven and new earth will either be yes or no. We either have faith and are welcomed into eternal life, or we don't have faith and are sent to eternal death. It's not about being close enough or closer than someone else. It's yes or no. This is why Jesus takes time to say some of the good soil will produce a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Because it doesn't matter if you're the hundredfold or the thirtyfold. What matters is that you have faith which produces fruit. And just as much as it doesn't matter how much fruit you do produce, it doesn't matter how much fruit you did not produce. Do you really think it's a coincidence that there are three on each side? Those not producing fruit. The path, the rocks, the weeds. Three. Those that are producing fruit. 100, 60, 30. Three. See, it's equal. Three to three. Because it's only two sides. Fruit or no fruit. Understanding or no understanding. Faith or no faith. We are all saved by faith alone. Either you understand, you have faith that produces fruit, or you don't understand. You don't have faith, and you do not produce fruit. So see, it's not four categories, it's two. Believers and non-believers. Do you understand or not? Do you have faith or not? And this is not meant to scare us, not at all. It's meant to bring us comfort. Because the final part of this parable that I want to look at today is this. Where does the faith that saves us come from? Well, it comes from God. As Luther says in the small catechism in the explanation of the third article, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. We are not capable of starting our own faith. Just as the soil is not capable of giving life to the seed. Only God can create life. Only God can cause a seed to grow. We are the soil, which means we cannot create faith. Only God can do that. So see, Jesus is the sower, who out of grace alone has generously sown his seed, the word of God, into us. And it's the Holy Spirit who causes that seed to grow into faith. And as that faith grows, it yields fruit. We are not the sower. We are not the creator of life, nor are we the beginner of faith. We are not the producer of fruit or good works. God sows. God creates. God begins. And our faith that God has created in us produces the fruit. Luther says this in the explanation of the first article. All this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For this it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. So now we've cleared up these misconceptions. First, Jesus is the sower, not us. We are the ones receiving the seed. And it's entirely by his grace that we receive such a precious gift as his life-giving word. And second, that there are only two groups of people who receive his word. Those who hear it and fail to understand it. 
lacking faith, which means they do not produce fruit, and those who hear the word and by the power of the Holy Spirit do understand it. They believe it, and their faith does produce fruit. And this gift is also entirely by the grace of God. It's all about His grace, His word, and the faith to understand it, a.k.a. believe it, are together God's grace. The free gifts we do not deserve. And yet He freely gives them to us simply and entirely because He loves us. So how are we to respond to this overwhelming grace of receiving the gift of His Word and the gift of faith to believe it and produce fruit? Well, again, Luther says, For this it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey Him. We thank and praise our gracious and loving God for the God He is. We thank Him for giving us His Word. We thank Him for sending His Son to speak that precious Word to us. We thank Him for the forgiveness, the salvation, the eternal life Christ has won for us through His death and resurrection. And we praise Him for the grace He gives us every day as our faith in the gospel brings us hope and comfort. And we serve and obey Him. We continue to receive His Word as we read our Bibles and hear the Word preached and taught in truth and purity. We serve Him as we feed our faith and let it produce the fruit. We obey him as we follow his son's example and share the word of God with all people generously. Why do we thank and pray, serve and obey him? Because our loving, gracious God has made us the good soil who has received his word and by the power of the Holy Spirit has been given the faith to understand it and cling to the good news of his kingdom. He has sown his seed and created faith in us, which means we are saved, and we will be with our God for the rest of eternity. Our loving, generous God and Savior has given us grace upon grace. And that's the comfort of the parable of the sower. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.